set the tone. Please record your podcast. When you are finished, let the fans download on Spotify and listen to the latest episode. Episode 43 of the Set the Tone podcast. I am your host, Tony. You can follow along on Twitter at setthetone underscore pod. Again, that is at setthetone underscore pod. I'm in one of those moods today, and I had just recorded on Monday the 42nd episode, recap the super wildcard weekend in the NFL. We now have the divisional matchups in place, but I think I'm in more of a ranting mood, kind of get-off-my-lawn mood, so to speak, and I think what bothers me, and I didn't even mention it, well, first, the I, I do want to talk baseball, I want to get into the Hall of Fame, the announcement will be January 24th, 6 p.m. Eastern on the MLB Network, but as the offseason kind of slowly trudges along we get closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting the Carlos Correa signing is finally done and over with and where did he end up back with the Minnesota Twins which ah, baffles me here's how I would feel if I am a Minnesota Twins fan and kind of how the Carlos Correa situation played out Carlos Correa is in his early 20s He is single, and he's going to go out to the bar with friends. Carlos Correa meets himself someone at the pregame. It is a good option for him to potentially, you know, court someone, has an opportunity to do so. But instead, Carlos Correa gets greedy, goes out to the bars, and strikes out. So what does he do? He comes as... Tom Petty would say, crawling back to you. That's what Carlos Correa did. Really. Carlos Correa tried to get greedy, went after what he thought was a little bit of the A-list, and he missed his shot. So he treats the Minnesota Twins fans like they're the third-rate companions. And has the nerve to say, well, this is the spot I always wanted to be. I'm really excited. How about, Carlos Correa, you say for me, I am here in Minnesota to end a drought of 18 seasons where we have not won a postseason game. Think of that. The Twins constantly make the postseason. Sure, there's some misses there, but they don't even get a win in the postseason as well. That, if you really want to make a statement and make it a little bit believable, go that route. Don't tell me it's where you wanted to be all along (laughs) when you had a press conference set up with the San Francisco Giants, when you had a deal and principle in place with the New York Mets. And you have taken less money to come back to Minnesota than what they initially offered you. Minnesota's willing to take a chance is what it boils down to because they know what they have in Carlos Correa. He's full of it, is what he is. 
the Hall of Fame ballot as well. I I don't know what to expect of the Monday announcement. Right now, it's trending towards Todd Helton, Scott Rowland being inducted into Cooperstown. And what always makes this argument tricky is that these are all very good players for the most part, or at least very good who are being considered. So I have to sit here and talk. Poorly is what I would say about a phenomenal baseball player. I see Bobby Abreu's name come up time and time again, and I get the this is the analytics and the information age that we are currently in have driven the Hall of Fame discussions so many different ways, and I see Bobby Abreu catching a lot of thunder recently, and his on base percentage. Can I bring up this? Bobby Abreu was afraid of the right field wall. In no way, shape, or form can I call a right fielder who had good pop, did get on base, could steal some bases, a guy who was legitimately afraid of the right field wall and would not put his body on the line, a Hall of Famer. Especially when I see Carlos Beltran and Andrew Jones on the list. Spare me with the Bobby Abreu talk. I put Carlos Beltran in. He's It's his first ballot. If it were up to me, if I were a writer, I'd have Beltran, Helton, Jones, Jeff Kent, Manny Ramirez and A-Rod, Gary Sheffield in the Hall of Fame. Why I go the A-Rod and Manny route as well, the doors open with David Ortiz. And the fact that Rodriguez and Ramirez are gaining little to no traction speaks to the hypocrisy of these baseball writers. The free pass that David Ortiz gets because he's a media darling is hot stuff. It is special. And when you see some of these ballots that these writers release, when they don't give a reason, or why one might vote for Manny and not A-Rod, or one might vote for A-Rod and not Manny, I have nothing for you. I truly do not. It is a bizarre, bizarre situation. Jeff Kent does not get enough, and it's his last year on the ballot, does not get enough notoriety. He, I think, was overshadowed a little bit too much by Barry Bonds, but if you go take a look at Jeff Kent's numbers, they scream Hall of Famer at the second base position without question. Andrew Jones is that weird case where he had half of his career was Hall of Fame worthy. The back end, not so much. The X factor for Andrew Jones... And me says, well, look at the October numbers. He was one of those guys, and this is just my perception growing up. Maybe it's a childhood bias, but Andrew Jones was one of those guys that legitimately struck fear in me as an opposing fan when he came to the plate. Came onto the scene as, what, a 19-year-old in the 96 World Series against the Yankees and lived up to the moment. Not to mention that he's a, what, 10-time gold glover as well. Anything hit to center field was Andrew Jones' baseball. 
he was a special player. And while the numbers, you look at a 254 average, 450 home runs, uh, silver sluggers, gold gloves. Andrew Jones, to me, he has that dominant period and also the October X factor. Scott Rowland is one of those guys who sits in that category of very good. A little bit like Jeff Kent, I do. And here's, again, where I kind of get confused and thrown off is if you're going to put Scott Rowland in, how do you not put Jeff Kent in? Okay, maybe Rowland was overshadowed by Pujols in St. Louis. By Delgado in Toronto. He was coming into his own with the Phillies. But they're too... that's that's where I don't get the hypocrisy is something that throws me off. And this is every single year I deal with this when I have to look at this. Billy Wagner's getting a lot of notoriety. Here's where I, I struggle with Billy Wagner. Look at the numbers. Good in totality. Great in totality. But he is black type next to his name twice. And it was leading the league in games finish. He's never, he, I think it was once or twice he was top five in saves. So when you're a closer, and I'll look at it like a DH, it needs to be something extraordinary. And then on top of it, Billy Wagner was non-existent in October, was not a great October pitcher. I can't put in Billy Wagner. Cannot do it. That's item number one on the baseball circus that we'll call it. The second, and of course I did it last night, I had to tune into this slapstick, slap shit humor from Dana White and the I'm trying to even think of the name Power Slap is what he's calling the league and can't help but think how I can legitimately take Power Slap seriously and I'm not even going to get into Dana White's New Year's Eve saga, which Dana he has a press conference, and he thinks he's doing the... P- That's the best part, is Dana White controls the PR tour. And sits here to say, well, my punishment should be that I have to live with this. I have to speak to my wife, to my kids about it. But what does pulling me away from the UFC do? It only hurts the employees, it only hurts the fighters, it only hurts the brand. That, Dana, is the point. Your actions hurt other people that is the point of a suspension if this happens in the NFL to a player and a player gets sat down the player not being on the field hurts the team there are consequences to your action so just because you're addressing this does not mean that it is a punishment but he proceeds with the power slap league. And I, listen, I'm as big of a combat sports fan as they come. To me, there is nothing stimulating about someone standing and taking open hand slaps to the face as hard as it can be done. without any defense whatsoever. 
And what do these slaps become? They're palm strikes. You ever get hit with a palm? You ever feel how hard your palm is? No wonder people get knocked out. For all intents and purposes, it's a punch when you land with the palm onto the chin. You let someone wind up. And honestly, it's better on your hand. You're not going to break a knuckle. Oh, it's stupid. I, I So I tuned in for, what, five minutes? How Dana White did such a phenomenal job bringing the UFC and mixed martial arts to the forefront, to mainstream, legitimizing it being a sport, even though I, I don't need that legitimization. Other people do. But then he's going to put this power slap on his name because he got bored and saw on Instagram that people in Poland and Russia, steroided guys were standing and doing the slap thing. Leave it to Russia. Leave it to Poland. You know what else goes on in Russia? There's Team MMA. We're not bringing that here. There are sideshow events. I'm amazed someone like TBS had picked this up. Speaking of, the CW picks up Live Golf. That'll be interesting to see. I have to remember how to find the CW. I don't know if the CW is on YouTube TV. Is there a CW app on Roku? That I don't know. I'd be interested. I don't know why you don't keep it on YouTube. Is it still? I don't even know if it's still going to be on YouTube. But I don't see. What, I guess the money is the. That's the funny thing. Money is the benefit of doing it when Live Golf has unlimited amounts of money. I guess I should talk football a little bit here too, as this is just more of a rant and sort of a ramble than anything. And for a few minutes, clean it up and send you on your way. But. Something that's annoying me, and my last get-off-my-lawn point, and I can actually preview the games a little bit, and we'll do a little set-the-teaser segment here. The Buffalo Bills are, I compared them last pod to, in their terms of their style, to the New York Yankees. Live and die by the home run ball. The Buffalo Bills fan base reminds me a lot of the Chicago Cubs fans. The lovable loser moniker that we get here. And I struggle with that one a lot. Because you sort of get this, oh, look at us, we're happy, go lucky. Don't win a big game. Sort of get this God's gift to football type and I hear people say, "Well, you got to feel for the Bills fans." Or go, what? I, what are they going through? I'm tired. Yeah, they were good in the '90s and they lost. Josh Allen's Brett Favre 2.0, Hall of Fame talent, but careless. I just get so sick and tired of. Well, the Bills need it. How about the Bengals? What's wrong with them? Grinded. How about Jacksonville? Been a shit team after outside of one run in 2017. It's just this odd Bills narrative that gets pushed. And then by the NFL too, right? We talk about the competition in the neutral site. And Cincinnati feeling a little bit gypped in this spot. I get it. I get it. The four games this weekend 
Jacksonville goes to Kansas City. The Giants go to Philadelphia. Cincinnati goes to Buffalo. Dallas is who goes to San Francisco. Kansas City and Jacksonville, 8.5 point spread currently. The Giants and Eagles, 7.5. Bills and Bengals, 5.5, which had opened at 4.5. The Cowboys, Niners, 3.5, had opened at minus 4. Saw it go down to minus 3. Has now found its way at a field goal and a hook. Here's my quick, quick predictions on it. The Chiefs win in a landslide. The Eagles win, but the Giants keep it close. They cover a touchdown. The Bengals win. I just think they're a better team. And we want to talk about the Bengals' offensive line being banged up. Okay. You know what it looks like to me? The Bengals' offensive line looks a lot like last year. What did the Bengals' offensive line show me last year? Well, they could still get to the Super Bowl. They might struggle against a defensive front, meaning Philadelphia or San Francisco. But they can still get there. I'll take the Bengals plus five and a half. And then San Francisco playing host to Dallas. Boy, I think San Francisco runs the Cowboys out of Levi Stadium. Runs them out big time. I think it is your largest margin of victory this week. The Niners over the Cowboys. So what I would do is take all four of those games and I would make a four team teaser and I would probably me myself plus six I'm, I'm just trying to look at I think what I would do is make it a five and a half point teaser Actually, I'd keep it at 6 at plus 240. I feel confident that the Chiefs can take care of the 2.5 again. I said a blowout. I'm really I'm putting the Giants at plus 13.5 here, and that's kind of the number I'm trying to play with. So Giants at plus 13.5, they can cover right 10 points if it was touchdown to two field goals. A 6-point teaser, which moves the Chiefs from 8.5 to 2.5. The Giants from 7.5 to 13.5. The Bengals from 5.5 to 11.5. And and the Niners from minus 3.5 to plus 2.5. Which, again, if I'm saying the Niners, I feel very strongly about. And have some money line action with the Niners. Some spread action. Same with the Bengals as well. And I might have to dip a little bit more in now that we're getting plus five and a half. That's the set the teaser segment. Those are my predictions for wildcard weekend. Wanted to come on and vent for a little bit for what is the 43rd episode of set the tone. I hope I set the tone this week. We will follow through the divisional round. Again, you can follow on Twitter at set the tone underscore pod. We'll see you looking at a championship weekend in the NFL.